Hello, and welcome to The Content Minds. My name is Ryan Broderick, and I feel like I have been in a deep uh, malaise or mm, borderline depression. Malaise is a good word. I like malaise. Yeah, yeah. Uh, A malaise, a a social depression based around Omicron, and I feel like I have finally come out of it. But it did feel uh, at a certain point, I think, even darker than how I felt on March 2020, because this time I had a lot of pep and enthusiasm for the new year, and then all of it was sucked away. Um, Who are you? I am Luke, and I am almost exactly 10 days later than you in this cycle. Okay, wait, let's talk about this, but let's go to the theme song first. Yes. Okay, so ten days—that must be your country's like wave, right? That's 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 exactly that's exactly what it is. Like it was ugly, crazy over here. We got it a bit earlier than you guys did, um, but when we got it, it like it yeah, it really hit us. Our testing was good, so we picked it up earlier. But our kind of like I don't know, we didn't we didn't record a huge amount at this time, and I we didn't really talk about it last week. But the the kind of two weeks before Christmas this year was was kind of incredibly wild um so like i uh my christmas this year i I was due to see my my uh nephew who i have not seen in since like 2018 i think uh like a very long time due to like a series of like coincidences but yeah like because he lives in canada with you know my brother and stuff they're there as well but you know priorities um and I was like, oh man, I definitely really want to go and make sure my Christmas plans come off. And then this kind of thing happened and it was like, it's like dodging lightning bolts. It was everywhere. Um, so yeah, we just could not go anywhere for like two weeks until we actually needed to move because it was clear that like it was better, like it was going better. And it, I don't think the same case is, is for you guys, but, uh, for us, yeah, it was just everywhere. Um, yeah, it was bad. I mean, uh, everyone I was talking to or working with or like editors I was communicating with, people just started dropping off and it felt, it started to feel like children of men. It started to feel like there was just like people giving up and like going away. In four working days, I had four people I work with closely, like one day after the other be like, I've got COVID, I've got COVID, I've got COVID. And it was just yeah. like, oh boy. Yeah, it was really, it was really annoying. Uh, it, like, it was, uh, it was far more annoying than March 2020. And I, I feel like last week I felt very off kilter, off center. Cause I was like, is just, is this just it? Is this going to be it? And now I woke, I woke up, uh, yesterday and I thought, you know what? I think, uh, I think I'll be all right. And, uh, so yeah, that's where I'm at emotionally. Uh, I'm sure everyone listening was curious about that. Um, so this week's episode is about, uh, basically companies that may or may not exist working with sports teams around the world. But before we get to that, hey, Luke, how was the internet this week? Oh, Jesus. Um, the internet this week has been, uh, lively, I think is the best word. Like everyone's picking up again. Everyone's getting 
kind of mad uh, at lots of different things. Like it's not there's not a clear target. I mean, there's a couple of clear targets, but it's a bit more div- it's a bit more more separated. It's going the anger's going a lot of different directions. It's it's fun again. It's good. It's lively. I agree. I think it's fun. I think it is. Uh, I think it's a little aimless. Like no one's really sure what the narrative is. I think everyone was kind of waiting for like a big thing. Like his last year, we had the insurrection and the GameStop pump, like one after another. Like, and then we yeah. knew, like, okay, that's what this year is about. But this year, we haven't really figured out the story yet. Um, so that's where I'm. I'm like, I don't know what to focus on, um, or think about. But you know what? I, you know what people are really obsessed with right now. Wordle. <laughs> yes, they are obsessed with Wordle. Hey, Luke, are you playing Wordle? <laughs> I'm playing Wordle, but I'm refusing to share Wordle. I don't know if that makes me cool or not. Oh, that is such a you thing to do. Yeah. That is such a Luke thing. So I'm not playing Wordle, um, I, uh, but my mom is playing Wordle. I know. I actually, I think I saw her share it on Twitter today. She did. She tweeted it out, and then I immediately yeah. texted her, and I was like, you're playing Wordle? Um, but do you know about the crazy Wordle knockoff thing drama that's happening right now? I don't. What is the crazy Wordle knockoff thing drama? Well, I mean, I know a few knockoff Wordles. There's one that is only Irish words, uh, which I think is fair enough because no one speaks Irish. Uh, and there is another one I've seen, which is, uh, called Lettle, um, which is the same as Wordle, but it's only one letter. Oh, interesting. So what happened here is a guy on Twitter with the username Zach Shackid. Uh, tweeted out on Monday, I love Wordle so much, I decided to make my own Wordle app, but with a twist, it's not just five-letter words, but also four, six, and seven-letter words. I, I assume that's a game mechanic for, for Wordle. I haven't played it, like I said. Wordle, Wordle only has five-letter words. I see, okay. Um, and it says you can play unlimited times if you're the pro version, which is crazy because I think normal Wordle is free, correct? It's free, but you only get one word a day. Yeah. So then Zach tweeted again, this is absurd, 450 trials at 1 a.m. last night, now 950 and getting new ones every minute, 12,000 downloads, the 28th word game on the App Store, the number four result for Wordle in the App Store. And then he wrote, of course, we're going to the fucking moon, which is crypto Twitter parlance. And then someone asked him, like, you know, are you worried about the trademark? And he said, what trademark? And he has now made his Twitter account private because everyone is, like, really mad at him. He is not the guy who created the version of Wordle that everyone is tweeting about, which uh, is not trademarked because I think Wordle is, like, a very old game, like, 200 years well, old. Yeah, this is it. Like, it's, it's, there was an old game called uh, Mastermind, which was very, very 70s, which was the same principle, but it was, like, colored pegs and you move them around. And uh, There's that. There's a, there's a TV show, actually, in the UK that has this exact mechanic called Lingo. So the he, mechanic is old, he, basically. He claims that his version is based on lingo, but it's obviously like... Yeah, I mean, he's taking the name, which is the main... <laughs> like the, the thing is, is this, is this isn't an innovation. It's not an innovative game. It's just a good game, and it's a specific viral thing, because when you see everyone else's scores, you know you are playing the same word as them, which is a really smart thing that I hadn't actually thought of as a kind of a, a viral sharing concept. It's incredibly effective because you can see what everyone else is doing on the exact same puzzle that you're doing, but without giving oh, away the puzzle. Oh, I see. It was, yeah, it was weird. I, I just started seeing squares in my Twitter feed all of a sudden. Yeah. And I was like, 
I put it on the pile of things that Twitter's talking about that I don't have the time to deal with, including the show Yellow Jackets, which apparently is about cannibalism, but I haven't gotten to it yet. Sure. Um, but, okay, that's interesting. I uh, I really like Drunk Scrabble, which is not an app. It's just getting drunk and playing Scrabble, sure, uh, sure. which I find that's, – that's how I like to play word games. Um, what's your high score on Wordle? Is there a high score? How, no. how does that work? Uh, There's no high score. Like it's just how quickly you can do it, and then you share it, and then you. And it, it's really interesting because you kind of see, like a, a really funny thing that will happen sometimes is someone will like do it and get on their first word guess or the second word guess with like four of the letters, and then when they share it, you can see that they just kept changing the other letter because they were trying to figure out what the final letter was, and it's it is really interesting because you can kind of reverse engineer everyone else's puzzles from the stuff that they share. Like and and to be clear, the sharing thing was not initially in the app. Like people just started doing it, and then he built it into the into the the, the web version. So it's it's completely coincidental, but it interesting. Yeah, it does make it interesting. There's limited play, but also everyone's playing the same game, which I think is the the actual secret. Because his brother, who is famous for some reason, uh, I'm now I'm not gonna remember why he's famous. Uh, but he is he is famous for some reason, and is. Okay, cool, whatever. Uh, it was like, oh, this is viral because, like, of all these other reasons. It's like, no, no, it's actually because everyone's playing the same game. It's a very rare kind of water cooler thing. So the game was created by Josh Wardle. Yes. And and the, the name is also a pun, which is also fun. Which makes ripping the game off and calling it Wordle even crazier because it's the guy's name. Yes. But it's fun. Yeah, he's also, he's also like a famous guy. Uh, Tim Wardle. That's it. That's it. That's it. Who's Tim Wardle? Uh, he directed. He is a director, and he directed um, Three Identical Strangers on Netflix, Bad Sport, uh, One Killer Punch, like a bunch of like famous documentaries that are all over Netflix. Oh, okay. So yeah, Josh Wardle made Wordle, and now another guy named Zach has also made Wordle, but Wordle is just lingo. Okay, not confusing at all. No. Okay. Yeah, and he Wait. also he also created a bunch of cool stuff for Reddit. Uh, I'm oh. trying to remember exactly what this guy created, but he was a programmer for Reddit, uh, and he did do some cool shit, which I'm trying to remember. Um, oh yeah, he tried to fix April Fool's Day on Reddit. He tried to fix it. Yeah, he tried to uh, like basically he he did like things in order to stop people getting fooled on April Fool's Day. Because oh, he got annoyed. That's admirable. Him. Yeah, no, he is. Like a, he is clearly a good guy. Seems like a good guy. Okay, cool. You have a YouTube video for me, correct? I have a YouTube channel, which I think okay. is one of the most fascinating channels I've come across. Okay, we haven't done a good YouTube channel in a while. I have one as well, but it's a it's a weird dark fetish thing that I have to do some research on. So I'll update everybody on that next week. So All what's right. yours? This is insanely wholesome. Uh, oh, okay. This is. Incredibly confusing, but this guy has 300,000 subscribers. His peak video is like two or three million, and he regularly gets 200,000 views. And looking at this channel, you would just simply not guess what it is. All right, I'm clicking in. Here we go. Yeah. It's called Asheville. The URL is this is Asheville. Yeah. And it seems like a guy. Is this. Okay, so it's British because he's using the word queuing. Yes. Um. 
Is he just like making videos about construction sites? A short week this week with Christmas and New Year's. We got a lot of concrete to pour in the yard, but not the Asheville yard. Let's hope we got enough material because all the quarries are closed. I'm Daniel, and this is Asheville Weekly, episode 65. Merry Christmas to all. We turn Maddie round and I do some bits for him. Side skirts. Running you down and trying to work you hard. So I'll get it, I'll get it out for you now. Should have a big old load. See the steam coming off there? Ah! Sutton's got a give, and it ain't gonna be my back. Luckily, I am here. Are you sure I'm not gonna get any falling off the side? Did all of you have a Merry Christmas? I'm not staying in this yard forever. Yeah, no, he is a guy who <laughs> owns a company uh, that 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 does like aggregate. So just it, it does gravel basically. And there's a guy making videos about his gravel company. And every week, hundreds of thousands of people are watching them. Dude, these videos are so well made. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's like he's filming around his gravel company as if it's like a... Okay, wait. Have you ever seen the reality show? So, okay. My dad is a really big viewer of the Discovery Channel, which is not what it used to be. The Discovery Channel is part of the Discovery Network, and the Discovery Network is basically just, like, reality shows about, like, various things that happen outside. And, like, one thing my dad is really, really <laughs> into is uh, shows that uh, <laughs> take place in Alaska because his dog really likes Alaskan-based television because she can bark at the animals. Yep. And so, like, Last of the, Ala Alaska, uh, Last of the Alaskans and, like... Alaskan bush people and all those shows. And like those shows are just like very dramatic footage of people doing like kind of menial labor outside. And that's what this dude's YouTube channel is. It's just like really dramatic footage of a man working at a gravel yard. It's not dramatic. Yard. It's not dramatic. It's, it, at one point it's his week and he's just like, I've, I've gone through a few of them. I'll be honest. I have not watched a full video because I have struggled to maintain my interest in it. But people are really interested, but he is basically just going through and being like, yeah, no, here's what happened in my week. Uh, one day we had to like do these joints and we, we need to get these rough edges off the joints and they're a bit sharp there. And then I went and got this new digger and there's my digger and it does this thing and it's incredibly boring and it's popular. Like, I don't, yeah, boring's, it's boring. Maybe the right word for it. Mundane. It's like, it's a very interesting way to cover mundane stuff, but it's just absolutely fascinating that it's successful. <laughs> I don't know if this was true in the UK, but like when I was growing up in the 90s, there were VHS tapes that you could buy for little boys so they could watch like construction trucks do stuff. It was just like, it was very hard to describe, but it was like, it was like a VHS tape that you put in your TV and it would just be like footage of trucks. Yeah. Cause like little boys like to watch like big machines do things. Yeah. So like that's what this is. It's just like, it's just like, well, these videos are like 25 minutes, so it's like 25 minutes of machines doing things. And that makes a lot of sense to me why that would be popular. I can totally understand why people would be into that. I'm sort of kind of wanting to stop recording right now just so I can watch this man's videos of him doing basic tasks at a gravel yard. Yeah, he's just walking around being like, here's some gravel, moving this gravel here. It's the size of this gravel. I'm using a new digger to move this gravel. It's kind of incredible. Yeah. I get it. I It's not ASMR, but it's something else. It's like, oh, you know, like that viral tweet of those old Italian men standing at a fence yes. watching a construction work? The, yeah. The dream life. Yeah. That's, that's what this is, is like, 
I just want to watch this guy and be like, yeah, okay, cool. Move that digger. That's good. Oh, actually, you know what videos I'm obsessed with that are kind of similar, but not really? Okay. The pre- the um, the primitive living channels, like the dudes in Cambodia who just make huts out of mud. Yeah, I mean, those are wild. We actually should do a deep dive on those at some point. And if we have I wanted to, I've wanted to do like a full episode. You know what? Okay. If there's nothing that comes up next week, we always do this. We've, we've never successfully been able to do this. <laughs> but if nothing comes up between now and next week, let's do a primitive living deep dive because I'm pretty sure. Wait, did we already do this? Did we already figure out that they're like who, who's running all these channels? I don't know. It does seem like the sort I, of thing we've done. I've got, I've, I've, I've gotten pretty close to figuring out who is bankrolling those channels. I know that they're based in Cambodia. Many of them. Maybe we did do this. Okay, here's here's the thing. Um, if you subscribe to our Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash the content minds, you can remind us whether or not we've done this before and then remind us to do this episode if we haven't already done it. Like next Monday and we'll do it. Yeah, or even if you don't subscribe, shoot me a DM. My DM box is open. Let me know. I know that there's a couple people who are currently going through all of our episodes at once. Uh, they reach out to me because I put that request in like six months ago where i said if you ever binge the content mines let me know how it goes because i don't i couldn't imagine doing that well people do do that anyways so if one of you guys could figure out if we've covered the primitive living channels and who is behind them let me know because if we haven't we should do that (laughs) yes (laughs) we have officially covered a lot on this show so it is really hard to remember which weird rabbit hole we've gone down although we are getting better at like organizing our episodes but the early episodes where we were doing like multiple topics per episode god knows what's in those i have no idea yeah no we should probably go back and check them i don't oh i don't wanna i mean (laughs) i'm not ready i'm not ready yet although that said do you think it's time to go into our big topic for this week i'm up for going into big topic How would you describe the this phenomenon that we're looking at this week? Like how how would you how would you sort of sum this up? Because it's kind of weird. It's like very hard to describe. Can I start by saying that I'm incredibly mad because there was a really good link from the last segment to this segment and I've completely missed it because the guy well, the guy on the YouTube channel who does the aggregate stuff and is like a normal bloke running a business uh also sponsors the t- the football team QPR. Now, QPR are a small team. Uh, maybe that's not fair though. They've got a good, hi- they've got a, a proud history, but they're a small team now. Uh, and that is historically what most football clubs have been sponsored by in the UK. It's, you know, you know, Michael's skips or Dave from the, the red, the red line has been like sponsoring these clubs, putting a small amount of money in so they get their name on the front of the shirt. Now, at the top end though, this has become increasingly strange because it is a very poorly regulated segment. And so what has started to happen is that large football clubs have signed deals and deals and deals on deals. Like every every major football club has a has has a partner for tires and for hotels and for shoes and all this mad shit that like are you going to buy a different t- brand of car tires because it's sponsored by Man United? I don't think you are, but apparently that's a thing that they do now. But one of the other elements of this is it's become 
clear that they need partners for other things, such as decentralized currency partners and all these sorts of things. And as a result, uh, more and more clubs have started to get involved in the NFT crypto space. And those companies that have got involved have been somewhere between a little shady and sometimes non-existent. And this has happened a few times now. Okay. So I would say, like, you didn't miss the link between that segment and this segment. You just did it. That, that just happened. You did it. I thought it was a good link, and I wish I'd thought about it sooner. But so, did, Well, it, due to the magic of editing, Luke, you did think <laughs> about it sooner. So the reason we're talking about it this week, first, I want to thank our listener, uh, Brian, for bringing this to my attention. Uh, this was covered by Defector.com on december 23rd and if you guys don't listen to this don't read defector you absolutely should i'll link to this story defector rules defector media rules um and they published a piece titled what the hell is this company the 76ers just partnered with and essentially the 76ers which i understand is some kind of basketball team i think for philadelphia yeah right okay they have partnered with a company called color star which um, might not exist. And then when I sent this to Luke, Luke was like, oh, you guys finally got that. We've had this problem forever. So let's start there. Uh, you, when did you first notice like sports teams in the UK partnering with like possibly fictitious companies to promote whatever? So this kind of came out of probably the end of the pandemic last year. It started to get really bad. So f- football has had a really big problem with gambling for like a long time in that an awful lot of clubs are sponsored by gambling companies. Gambling companies, after a while, like eh, regulation gets a bit tougher in the UK, and eventually uh, they start to be sponsored by, and this is perfectly legal and happens to many companies, uh, sorry, many clubs with many companies, they start to be sponsored by companies that can't legally trade in the UK. All right, so if you take a company like Fun88, which is a company that is nominally in the UK, but is actually a Chinese company, uh, they are typically run out of uh, places in spots in the UK where the regulations are slightly different. For example, uh, the hold on, let me just send you this: the Fun Eighty Eight, which has genuinely millions of pounds worth of sponsorship deals. Now it's a real company, and you can technically gamble with it. Yeah, uh, I'm on there right now. It's uh, really, really weird to see Newcastle United players with a bunch of like. Chinese gambling logos on them. <laughs> I've, I've just sent you an image of their head office. Okay, hold on. I'm pulling it up here. Let's see. Uh, uh, what? Okay, so it's a, it's like a, it's like not even really a storefront. It's just like a, a door that says Joe Jennings Bookmakers. And then there's just like, it's like a very nondescript gambling office next to like a cafe on a high street. Yeah, exactly. Which is one of those things where it's like, oh, sure, this is a comp- company. A company is based there that allegedly sponsors, like, Newcastle United, who are the richest club in the world, owned by the sovereign wealth fund of Saudi Arabia. Now, there are other sponsors as well. For example, Fosun, who are based out the same one. Now, Fosun, you uh, sponsor Wolves, and you genuinely cannot uh, book... Uh, place bets with them in the uk so all these all they're trying to do is put their name on british football team shirts that are then shown often legally in china so that those chinese gamblers then go to that website in order to bookmake which is insane so i am glad that you you did this 
because you segued exactly into one of the few things I can contribute to this week's episode about sports. Okay. I went to VidCon in 2019. It was one of the last conferences I went to before the pandemic. And I've mentioned it on the show a few times because it was kind of a crazy experience. It was like a really weird moment where you had TikTokers like outside who weren't invited in because like they weren't like they didn't understand that TikTok was big yet. But then also I spent the entire conference only going to the talks from Chinese companies because I was very curious, like what was what was China thinking in terms of like influencers and the rest? And one of the last things I went to at VidCon in 2019 was an utterly insane, like, honestly, to this day, one of the creepiest, weirdest discussions I have ever been to at a conference by, like, a head woman at Tencent. And she spent the whole time talking about what she called IPs. So she would say, like, Tencent is in the business of, his, of, of acquiring the rights for as many IPs as possible to be the number one spot for IPs. And finally, I was like, oh, she's, she's literally just talking about intellectual property as a unit. Like, that's, <laughs> that's like how insane this is and how like high level this is. And then she said, like, we're thinking about how to acquire the rights to distribute various international IPs in China, such as <laughs> like Disney, Logan Paul, Manchester United. <laughs> <laughs> and the idea that like, the idea that this like Chinese executive of like one of the largest technology companies in China viewed like entertainment, YouTube influencers and football teams as like the same thing and like the same unit was like the most like eye opening thing I have ever I have ever sat through. I was like, that is so wild. And I like I, I can't shake it. I can't shake how insane that is. So that makes total sense to me that they're like, I want to brand the heck out of this football team because you know, there are portals in China that you can watch this stuff on. Yeah, exactly. And it, it makes it incredibly strange that you're then kind of like watching a football match live and there's some shirt sponsor for a country, for an entirely different country, and you can't engage with that sponsor at all. But we're doing this, apparently. Um, yeah, I think I think broadly speaking, one of the things that we overcover on this podcast is probably Bitcoin, and one of the things we, un we undercover is probably China. Anyway, here's how this whole thing is related to Bitcoin. Hold on. Hold on, we don't we don't overcover Bitcoin because we're not covering Bitcoin enough. In fact, there's so much crypto stuff that we're not talking about. Like at this point, there's so much crypto stuff going on. Like I've been I've considered like starting a cryptocurrency podcast or starting a cryptocurrency newsletter because there's just too much. There's just too much shit going on. There's a lot. Of shit I agree. Going on. I agree with you. We don't cover China that much, but also China is like very complicated and. I'll be honest, I'm obsessed with China and Chinese internet, but I'm not sure how obsessed everyone else is. I mean, it's a classic example of like a thing that is important that we probably, is probably too uninteresting to most people to cover that much. Anyway, this is how all this relates to Bitcoin. Okay, finally, now I'm interested. Yeah, so um, Barcelona, I don't know if you've heard of them. They're a big club. They 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 play football in Spain. Um, they uh, I, I have been I have been to Barcelona. I've heard okay. of the football team there. Cool. I went to Guy Fieri's favorite sandwich shop in Barcelona. Oh, I mean, how was it? It was really, really good. In fact, I didn't know it was Guy Fieri's famous. Uh, I didn't know it was. Ga <laughs> I didn't know it was Guy Fieri's fa uh, favorite sandwich shop, but I went there because it was the only business open during the uh, Catalan separatist 
uh, protests. Sure, and so sure. I needed to get a sandwich when I was covering them. And then I found out months later in an episode of Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives that it was Guy Fieri's favorite sandwich shop. It's I mean, very that's, good. That's very Guy Fieri. If you had to make a wild guess, I could not guess at any of Guy Fieri's politics. Guy Fieri, uh, he works a lot with like the Marines, but he does it in a way where he's like, I want to support like the people who like give up their lives for service. And he does a lot of charity. But like, would it surprise you if he was a Trump voter? And would it surprise you if he was a Bernie Sanders voter? I could see him being like the kind of person who thinks that Bernie Sanders and Donald Trump have the same politics. But I could also see him being just like a middle of the road Biden guy. Possible. I also think he's just drinking way too much tequila with Sammy Hagar to remember to vote. <laughs> That's also possible. All right. So in November last year, Barcelona started a partnership with an NFT company called Onyx. Um, okay. They announced Onyx the- or Onyx. Onyx. O W O W N I X. Okay. Uh, Onyx. Oh, I see. Like uh, like you own. Yeah. Okay. So it's an NFT marketplace. Okay. Yeah, and this has become a, a big, big thing. Um, but this specific one, here's the initial headline. Barcelo- Barca and Onyx join forces to create NFTs based on iconic moments from the club's history. Three days later, contract with Onyx cancelled with immediate effect. <laughs> because essentially Barcelona then dug into this thing and discovered that the guy in charge of it uh, was accused of conspiracy to commit crime, uh, falsifying corporate documentations, and sexual assault. Uh, he was also arrested. Oh. He was basically arrested on fraud and assault charges, and they decided that actually it was a bad idea to continue on with this, which is understandable. Oh then, wow that 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 took a direction that I was not I was not uh, expecting. That okay okay. Then a few days later, um, a very very similar thing happened in Manchester City, who uh, are owned by a, a country um, <laughs> or a, or a billionaire with close connections to a country but they signed a deal with basically a cryptocurrency startup and a week later 10 days later they suspended that deal because no one could discover who the executives were and they did not exist online uh and essentially what happened was that they they kind of said you know they did an all announcement on the website saying hey we have got a quote decentralized finance trading analysis partnership with this company called three key and when they dove into it, they discovered that none of this stuff existed. Uh, the guy who was quoted as like the chief marketing person didn't exist. Uh, and as they went through these these sites, all, everything just fell apart immediately. And it turned out there was nothing behind it. Which one question is like, why do these clubs not doing more due, due diligence? But the second question is like, how are these com- how are these companies existing that they have the money and the contacts to get in these rooms? And then it sounds like they're just they're just air. They're mist. It's bizarre. So, okay, I can kind of answer this a little bit, uh, just with my experience with the world of cryptocurrency. So what's really interesting is that, like, when everyone talks about the blockchain and everyone talks about, like, cryptocurrencies and crypto tokens, like, the thing that I think gets lost in translation is that what we're really talking about is automated finance. Like, we're talking about automation. Like, the blockchain is an automation and so if you make something with blockchain technology, you you hit one domino and the rest of it happens. A smart contract is a is a is an is a contract on the internet that doesn't require a middleman because it's automated. That's why blockchain enthusiasts are so obsessed with trying to get everything to run through the blockchain because in their mind they're like, "Oh, 
I can automate all the stuff on the internet that I don't want to do or pay people to do. That's why we're seeing the rise of like blockchain communities right now because they're, they look at Facebook and they're like, Oh, Facebook can't moderate itself. It's too big. It's too, it's too insane. But what if we found a way to automate that process? And obviously it doesn't work. It doesn't make any sense and it just makes things bad. But because of that nature, it's extremely easy to whip up an NFT project or a DAO or a cryptocurrency startup that doesn't have any real people involved because most of the stuff is just doing it itself. I mean, that makes sense. I just don't understand how it then has a kind of a real world presence. So typically, like, I mean, obviously there are people, there's a human being involved with these things, but a lot of times they, you know, don't want to go through the rigmarole of having a legitimate business. It's, it's kind of like if you were a, a healthy company, you wouldn't go public via a spec. You would go public via an IPO. <laughs> you know, not that I have any experience in watching how that plays out. Okay, but, but in this in this situation, the three key situation is probably the most dramatic version, where there were obviously like the senior staff listed on the we- listed on the website, uh, and the journalist uh, Martin Caladine like was digging into this, and his line was that they could not provide proof of life for any of the stuff on the website and it turns out they're just all fake so okay so it's a three keys technology three keys technologies let's see let's uh, I'm, I'm sort of curious about this one because i actually i hadn't heard this okay so in october three key technologies put out a press release saying that they've launched an all-in-one platform the d <laughs> an all-in-one platform that simplifies DeFi for institutions and the masses luke haven't you been waiting for this? I know. My DiFi is so complicated. I cannot simplify my DiFi. Dude, I'm so frustrated with how complicated DiFi is for for institutions and the masses. So Manchester City signed a deal. Then they uh, ended their partnership. Uh, and they signed a partnership with Abu Dhabi-based Mazdar, which is... Uh, I'm going to take a wild guess that Mazda is owned by someone who also has an ownership stake or a, a link to someone with an ownership stake in Man City. Well, Mazda, I think it's a hotel chain. But anyway, so okay, so so it, three key technologies describes itself as an IT services provider. But like, you're right. I don't get any idea. I I don't. I can't find any information on what it is. Have you found their website? Because it is it is literally just threekey.com, and it is magical. Okay, so I'm on it right now. It is amazing. So it has three giant words on it. Performance, solutions, and approach. So I guess those are the three keys. Uh, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm just trying to, like, I know enough about cryptocurrency that I can be able to tell you what this is if I can just read. So, okay. Established in 2020, Three Key Technologies is a decentralized finance-focused digital asset company that combines fundamental research with an active investment approach. So it gives institutional and retail investors easy access to pre... Oh, okay. I see. It's a, it's a yield. It's like a, okay. So there's a whole bunch of these like decentralized finance startups that basically what they do is they ask you to give them Ethereum. And then they pay you a yield on it in exchange for loaning it out. That's what this is. Okay. So there is really no reason for a human being to be involved because most of this stuff is automated because they're just, they're just taking your theory. In fact, there's a bunch of these marketplaces that like are literal marketplaces, like pancake swap is one where like you're just like, 
handing over Ethereum, hoping that you get paid interest on it as it's loaned out to other people. That's the whole thing. Sure, I guess. It it seems very futuristic and crazy, but like it's literally just like it's just low interest. It, it it's just like high interest loans for cryptocurrency. That's that's what this is. I mean, all right, but the, it it doesn't explain why they're sponsoring a football club, nor why they are able to get us far down the chain, far down that road, as they did, while every single person listed on the website was fictional. Yeah, that is really weird. Um, like, who is... I mean, there must have been a person, though, to ask the football team for a sponsorship, right? Yeah, someone was in the room with them at some point. But, I mean, maybe not. Maybe they just did it all by email. Like, if someone emails you and goes, like, hey, we have, like, $10 million to give you, you go, all right. Like, that seems to be essentially what's happened here. Um, but yeah, they've, they've not said a huge amount and they've now ended that partnership after everyone pointed out that the company did not exist. But it's, I it's, see. it's one of a, uh, an example of an increasing number of, you know, football clubs are also picking up, um, this brand called Socios, which are what are known as fan tokens. Um, now fan tokens are basically you buy a token, which is effectively an NFT and it then gives you some sort of right within the club uh they sort of say it's voting rights but those voting rights mostly relate to uh what color shirt the mascot's going to wear or whatever it's like all the load of meaningless stuff but you put a load of stuff in now the downside of that is that when a lot of clubs launch those uh socios now i've just sent you a uh, a link to a chart and you can see very clearly when they launch a club launches those in this case arsenal uh, and then when all of the people initially trying to bump the investment, then sell all their investment. I see. Okay. Yeah. So it's a, ch so it's a choice. Um, it's a chart from CoinGecko. It is an Arsenal fan token that like shoots up to around six pounds and then it goes down to four pounds. Uh, I mean, yeah. So here, here's the thing, right? Like, I don't think there's anything super crazy about a fan token. And to be honest, like if you're, if you're struggling for an, a way to implement this technology more than monkey JPEGs, like fan tokens make sense to me, especially when you have like a world where like, there, I don't know. I went to a, 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 a soccer game in Germany where the stadium had been like built by the fans of the town, you know, like there, like there's totally a world of like, fans financially supporting their club and if you can like figure out a way to Im like help that with cryptocurrency it's not so insane to me uh for what it's worth the arsenal fan token is now worth uh two pounds 80 so it's less than half its original value which means broadly speaking what's happened is that uh, fans have put money into the club and bought these tokens People have then sold it and they've ended up, and fans have ended up with less money than they initially started with. And most of that money has not gone to the club. So the winners here are basically a bunch of crypto traders. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and then I guess the fans that like bought the token that want to use it to vote on like what color the jersey is. No, no, no but it's not even what color the jersey is. Nothing that would have any commercial impact. It's something really, really stupid. Like what color the, the mascot's jersey is. It's nothing. Uh, uh well, and then that, also that, that is stupid to me. Then that it is should, stupid. It yeah. should also be pointed out that the name Socios comes from 
the Spanish, and I'm, I'm maybe mispronouncing the name, but it's actually a thing that Barcelona do a lot of, which is that basically you can be a socios, which means that you have an, a genuine ownership of the club. And Spanish clubs are owned very differently, and there is a lot of kind of fan involvement, like they elect the 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 the, the president every like four years or six years so it is a whole thing and there genuinely is kind of if you are one of these people who has this you also get tickets it's part of the the same deal and then you genuinely have a say in how the clubs run and like there are models that work like that and germany is good for it and spain some clubs have some things like that that are quite good but this is not that this is we have discovered that crypto is a thing we're going to make this because someone's given us some money to do it and inevitably the people who end up getting screwed up are the fans yeah, no, I w- I would agree. This is like a massive scam, and of course, there's a way. There's a there's a UFC one of this. Of course, there is. Of course, this is a good chance to jump over to the most recent development in this whole world, which is what Defector covered uh, last month. So, as I said, uh, this the Philadelphia Seventy Sixers, which is uh, once again a basketball team. Um, <laughs> they uh, they put out a pre- there's a press release put out. Uh, saying that they were partnering with Colorstar, and the press release featured quotes from the CEO who was thrilled to partner with the 76ers, uh, except Lucas Capacian, um, is a CGI, uh, like medieval knight, uh, according to LinkedIn. Oh, that's yeah, fun. here I'll send you, I'll send you the picture. So that's Louis, that's Lucas Capacian. He, uh, he's, he's not a real person. Um, no, he doesn't look real. He he looks like a CGI medieval knight. Yeah, it's very it's very very confusing. Um so if you go over to so so what what they were saying they were going to do is a little confusing. Um it is metaverse related. Uh they were going to develop m- metaverse and NFT products for the Philadelphia 76ers, which is obviously what any Philadelphia-based basketball fan is going to want, uh, is how to enjoy basketball games in the metaverse. In fairness, that, mean, that means you could go to a Philadelphia sports game and not uh, be have a, like a trash can thrown, thrown at you or be set on fire, which I think is actually something some Philadelphia fans would be in favor of. Honestly, that's a good point. Yeah, uh, maybe maybe Philadelphia is a city that needs to experience sports uh, in virtual reality. Maybe that's Remote, safer remotely, for everybody. Just for a little while. Yeah. So um, the Sixers had a spokesperson who told Defector that the CEO definitely exists. And then they said, I believe he's based in Europe. Um, the company, Color Star Technology, is... Described as an entertainment, an online entertainment performances and online music education services company. Uh, and their website is completely bizarre. And it should be no surprise that they, they have a Chinese website, a, like with a CN domain that is totally broken, like completely broken. And they are based in Guangdong. Uh, but the website for that doesn't work. Uh, but they're a Shenzhen. It, so it, they're called Shenzhen Color Entertainment Technology Company. That seems to be who this is. But the, the, the question with all of this stuff ends up being, okay, so this company exists. It is a shell of a shell run by someone somewhere. But the main thing is like, A, 
what is the due diligence of the due diligence of these companies like? Like if, if someone emails me and they have a product that I'm vaguely interested in for like us, the immediate thing that I'm going to do is Google them and look at their website. That's number one thing. And in so many of these cases, they must have Googled them. The thing doesn't come up or it looks completely deranged like the uh, uh, three key one. And they just don't seem to have done that. And I don't understand how this happens. So what's really interesting is, okay, so, so, so the CEO goes by Sir Lucas Capetian, as we said. Um, he appears to be not a real human being. Um, and is all of the images of him on the internet are of some kind of CGI man. Yeah. There is a real human CEO, which Defectors video editor and co-founder Dan McQuaid shared a picture of, um, in a follow-up tweet. So if you go to Colorstar's international website, it's called colorstarinternational.com. And it, it, it does offer a few more like hints at what this is. Um, it seems to be like an online education platform. So you're like, like a masterclass thing, but then it also has like stock trading and there's a music festival called the color international music festival and a concert series and like a stock exchange. Is I'm a huge fan of the fact that there are, there are two Barcelona players involved in this somehow. Of course there is. Uh, I mean, Luke, if you use Color Star International, you can take a guitar class with Mu Hang Shen uh, for nine dollars and ninety cents. I don't know. I can't. I do actually. I want to. I want to learn how to DJ from Steve Aoki for nine ninety. I would love to take Color Star International's DJ Aoki. <laughs> DJ course, uh, the, the Steve Aoki DJ course. But so it's all kind of crazy nonsense, except if you dig a little further, it all starts to come together. Hold on. I've just, I've just, I've just seen my favorite thing. When you get down to the bottom and there's a, a link where it says join our newsletter, it then has a load of Laura Mipsum text, which I love. Dude, I love when Laura Mipsum text makes an appearance on one of our episodes. Um, so all of this is like garbled nonsense, right? It doesn't make any sense. It's like, okay, so the, the, let, let, let's summarize because I feel like we've, we've got, it's gotten a little confusing here, but the 76ers have partnered with a company called Colorstar to work on the metaverse and NFT projects. Colorstar doesn't seem to have a CEO that's a human being. Uh, they, they, they're going by Lucas Capetian, which is some sort of CGI medieval knight that they have on LinkedIn, which they've then replaced with a stock photo of a human being. If you go to Color Star International's website, it is some kind of weird masterclass knockoff that's offering $10 courses with Steve Aoki and uh, some kind of some kind of course with David Villa, who's a David Barcelona Villa. player. He's a Barcelona player? Barcelona, Spain, yeah. Yeah, okay. And then if you go to the Chinese website for Color Star... It's all broken, but once again, it shows like tutoring and uh, events. Same, same, same nonsense as the other one. But like all of the assets are all of the all the links are broken. Uh, but if then if you go to the very bottom, it says uh, all rights reserved. Shenzhen Color Entertainment Technology Company Limited, Guangdong, and then it has like a like a tax number and stuff. But if you so if you search that, if you search, here we go. You ready? So if you search 
Luke, are you ready? I'm ready. If you search Shenzhen Color uh, Entertainment Company, uh, Color Entertainment Technology Company, you get a PR Newswire from 2020. And let's, 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 this is good. This is a good. It's, here it comes all the way back around. Color Star Technology announces strategic partnership with Bull Information Technology to further empower the Color World platform, which is a online platform for distributing intellectual property in China. So it's IP again. It's IP. And they think of IP as being the Philadelphia 76ers or Manchester United or Barcelona, apparently, uh, or Disney or Star Wars or anything else. I... (laughs) Yes. So I, I, I obviously, and, uh, so this, this one, it, um, it quotes a man named Sean Liu as the CEO of Color Star. Oh, I'm sorry. He announced, he, 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 uh, he resigned in 2020. So yeah. Um, so the, there was a human being that appeared to, uh, be running this company, but he resigned. But at least as of 2020, they were actively trying to build up their, uh, Augmented reality, virtual reality, and mixed reality multi-scene content operation service provider, which was based in China, and crucially owned a large content library in the field of AR large screen interactive uh, entertainment. So that's what this is. It's a it's a it's a content library company in China. Which is why this is so confusing to you because they're not buying content, like. There is no group of people in the world who are more protective of their, like, content than sports teams. They're incredibly protective. They're incredibly cautious. Like, if you click on the wrong Twitter clip, you can't watch it because you're in the wrong country. Like, they've done, they've had that sort of power. I don't understand what they think. They, I don't understand what they're getting from this. So wait, there's more. I just I just found something else that's really interesting here. So in the Defector article, they say that the deal was brokered by a company called Red Phoenix Entertainment, which is a company that describes itself as a business that bridges American sports with emerging markets. So based on that same VidCon uh, Tencent presentation I sat through, one of the most weird and kind of like upsetting pieces of it was uh, like – a presentation from what are called like middlemen or they use like this really weird acronym where they're like, they're like intermediary something. It's a, it's basically just like these companies that exist to sell American intellectual property to Chinese companies and they, and they take a cut yeah. and it seems like that's what, that's what red Phoenix entertainment is. But basically, there are these companies that exist for the sole purpose of charging American companies to partner with Chinese distributors on Chinese internet. And that's that's what I think is happening here. I mean, I guess that makes sense. I, I mean, that's not true. It doesn't make sense. None of this makes sense. But this makes this is it is an explanation. What do you mean? What I mean is that that, that like I understand how we got there, but. Everyone making decisions in this process is is making weird decisions. It is very very strange. I mean, so Defector ended up talking to uh, the Color Star director of communications, Douglas Menley. Eventually, they finally got a hold of somebody at the company um, who claimed that they were part of a communications group in New York that represented the company, and they 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 sort of like 
they basically just said to Defector, like, yeah, our website's like not great. <laughs> Everything's kind of weird looking. Sorry. Um, <laughs> sure. But I think what, I think what's really interesting is that like Chinese companies know that they can like basically like the way I sort of see this is like Chinese companies understand that international intellectual property has to come to China. And if they can be the ones to bring it to China first, it's almost like a gold rush of, of other countries' intellectual property that they can then bring over. And so there's now like an entire economy built on that. But then also because like NFTs and digital assets are so hot right now, it's like slamming into that. And so now like all these sports teams are trying to like launch digital asset platforms and working with like weird Chinese companies that don't exist or, or don't care enough to like fill out their online presence outside of the great firewall. And so it just looks incredibly sketchy. That's my read on this whole thing. Yeah, I think so. And I think that, I think there's also a major problem with crypto, which is that so many people are keen to indicate that they understand it, that there's an awful lot of nodding along. Like, I think you could go into a meeting with a bunch of people and be like, yeah, no, I'm from crypto thing. Obviously, you know about the, uh, uh, the air currency widget or whatever it is. And they're going to go like, sure. Yeah. No, I'm well aware of this element of cryptocurrency that I've never heard of because they fundamentally don't understand it. And therefore you can kind of get away with a lot, like going with a little bit of credibility and someone saying, Hey, this person's legit. You can probably get away with, with, without really having all that much to sell. Yeah. And I also think that like the answer to your kind of question of like, why is this all happening uh, with like sports teams is actually a pretty simple one, which is that like professional sports have had like trading cards forever. They understand the scarcity economy better than probably any type of entertainment around. That's true. Other than maybe comic books. Like, like there's to me, there's, it's kind of a no brainer that sports fans are like, I'll buy Tom Brady's NFT because sport, like being a sports fan is based on like cults of personality and like, an insanely aggressive secondary market for collectibles. So like, of course, NFTs are kicking off in that world. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And this all comes back to um, John Terry and his bizarre uh, ape of his wife. But that, oh, you mean the fake thing from last week? It wasn't a fake thing. The Trevor Bastard Extended Universe thing? No, 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 no. That was that half was fake. But John Terry, the ex-Chelsea player and now Chelsea coach, did put up a an NFT of his wife or, or rather put an nft it's something like the board ape wife club or something i missed this whole thing what <laughs> god jesus christ so obviously football no players... no you you if you're gonna bring it up you have to go through the mortifying ordeal of explaining the nft thing with your mouth everyone know it's 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 so horrible but you have mm. to go through it explain to me what happened here john terry excellent player ex-chelsea player good player terrible terrible person uh, he started to become a guy where he was, he started becoming, he basically started to become an NFT guy, uh, and started posting things. And now I'm trying to find the exact version of his, but he kept posting just this mad shit. There we go. Okay. Right. Yeah. No. Um, on Christmas day, obviously, because when else would you do this in Christmas day? Uh, he, posted that he got his wife a Desperate Ape Wives NFT, which is, a, I guess, a female monkey wearing his Chelsea shirt. Uh, yeah, okay. Oh, I see it now. Uh, that's unfortunate for 
Merry Christmas, Mrs. T. Had to get you a little something, too. Thank you, Desperate Ape Wives, for the profile picture for TT on the DAW number 7599. Well, yeah. do you, do you think she liked it? I mean, probably. He doesn't have the most amazing history with women. Well, uh, did what did we learn this week? Uh, sports teams are uh, really into NFTs. So is China. But China's probably more into NFTs as a way to acquire the rights to distribute intellectual property than they are actually selling NFTs, which also we didn't even point I did, we didn't even mention that like most cryptocurrency stuff is completely banned in China. I think what is happening here is that people in China are arriving in boardrooms and saying, Hey, so you guys want to invest? And they're like, I don't know, what's your company? And they're like, NFTs, and they're like, sure. Uh, that's the only explanation I can have for it because there's no there's nothing behind any of this stuff. Yeah. And they they're just but, sort of saying NFT and people are going, I, I guess so. I mean, I guess my question with all of this is like, are we early or are we at a peak? Like, is this a thing where we're just like, are NFTs going to fizzle like six months from now and we're never going to talk about it again? Or is this a thing where like, we really have to start thinking about like what, what this stuff is going to mean. And I, I can't really figure it out. I mean, my general position is the same as it was last week. I think that NFTs are going to create a Bitcoin long-term because I just don't think Bitcoin can survive with the amount of like nonsense stuff that's happening uh and i think that nfts the technology will probably still exist because I, I can see use cases for unfalsifiable digital records whether or not they're unfalsifiable is still about for debate i think but it does make sense to a certain extent there's something there it's just not whatever this is yeah like i i think tokens as a way to like you know let people into parties or or to signify some kind of like stock like stakeholder ownership of an organization, like aren't insane. I, I think like digital assets aren't going away. Like, I mean, Fortnite skins have existed for years. Uh, I play a lot of Pokemon. So I'm someone who very, 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 very acutely understands the power of digital assets, like, uh, which we'll talk about in our next section. But I, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, this is all very strange. Thank you, Brian, for sending us this tip. Um, and please send please send us more tips to, to everyone. I think I understand this. I think I understand what's going on here. It's all very strange, but I think I get it. We are changing up our Patreon, and we're changing up the way we do our show a little bit. Um, Luke and I have been talking about this for a few weeks now. We wanted to figure out like a way to shake things up a little bit without getting stale, but also like just like have some fun and change up some things. So, and we've we've also been through the universes we wanted to do. I think. Yeah, we did a lot of. We've watched a lot of cinematic universes. We've marathoned a lot of movies, and like. Doing two extra episodes every two weeks that were sort of like not tied to anything going on in the world just felt increasingly frustrating, like especially around like Disney plus like Marvel shows and stuff. Like I wanted to be able to talk about stuff as it was happening, you know? 
Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, starting today, we're going to be doing a new thing where our our typical last segment of each episode, which is the content you consume to stay sane, we're going to be chopping off and putting behind a paywall. Uh, so we'll tell you the stuff that we're consuming and, you know, if we liked it or not. And if you want to hear us talk about it, you can go over to Patreon and check it out. But I think it reflects like the fact that this show has gotten a little more formalized over the years. And that segment also, we started as a way to just like talk during the pandemic. And as we all know, COVID-19 doesn't exist anymore. So there's no real reason to do that segment, right? It's all done. Yeah, it's all done. So this week we are we are starting that. So if you want to hear Luke and I talk about the content we're consuming to stay sane, you can go over to Patreon and check that out. Hey Luke, what content have you consumed to stay sane this week? I want to talk about uh, Stay Close on Netflix and my theory, my my extended theory that uh, Netflix is speed running the way genre fiction has gone. Interesting. This week I want to talk about how I am two Pokemon away from completing the Pokemon Sword and Shield Pokedex and how stressful this has been for me. So if you want to go hear that, you can go over to patreon.com slash the content minds and check that out. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, thank you guys for supporting us. Thank you guys. Uh, those of you who've gone over to check out the new uh, episodes on our Patreon and uh, next week, uh, if we remember and nothing important happens, we and we haven't already done it. Uh, we will do a primitive, uh, a primitive YouTube deep dive. I think. Oh yeah. Okay. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Yeah,